Recently, I, I heard a story about a man who was traveling through Europe, and one of the things he wanted to do was to see some of the wonderful cathedrals that had been built there. He was attracted to them by the, by, by the beauty of their architecture and, and all the, the fine parts of it, like their windows and such. And, and he came across one, and he saw there were a lot of windows on them, but from the outside, they were all very dark. So the cathedral had this wonderful, majestic appearance on the outside, but he wasn't sure what the windows were all about. So he wanted to go inside to see what it felt like. When, we, when he got inside, that cathedral had kind of a cold, dismal type of feel to it. And he was still looking to see what the windows would do. And, and as he looked around, he saw that they, still they were kind of dark. So the guy drew his attention to a set of windows up on the side, and he said, if you can stay here for a while or, or come back at different times of the day, you're going to see the sun move and shine through those windows, and you'll see what they're all about. So he stayed for a little while and, and then would come back uh, throughout the course of the day, and he saw the sunlight begin to shine through those windows. And as it did, there was this beautiful display on the life of Jesus. Starting from that initial announcement to Mary that she would give birth to God's Son, the account of his birth and his baptism, and then he welcoming children to him. And then it would go on. It would display what would happen later for Jesus, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and his betrayal in the garden, his crucifixion, and finally, his resurrection and ascension into heaven. From the outside, you couldn't see that. And even from the inside, where things looked a little dark or felt empty, couldn't quite see it. But as soon as the sun shone through those windows, what a difference there was. Now, when I read that story, I thought, you know, that might be the way sometimes our life as Christians feels or maybe looks to people on the outside. You know, maybe we look all kind of churchy or like we have it all together, but they kind of wonder what's going on on the inside. Or maybe we wonder about that too. What is going on on the inside, even with something like prayer? People see us or hear about Christians praying or we ourselves do it, but maybe there's a little bit of darkness surrounding it. That is, maybe we're not quite sure if it's working or why it should work. Well, just like with those windows, so it is with our prayers that the light of the sun, the Son of God, needs to shine in our hearts. And when that happens, prayer is such a beautiful and powerful thing. For a few weeks now, I'm going to be talking on a series of messages entitled, Pray Boldly. And we're going to hear about things that God wants us to pray boldly about. Now, I'm sure that we all have our prayer list and hear of the concerns of others. But today we're going to hear about one particular concern that should be on the very top. The Christian author John Bunyan once said, When you pray, rather let your heart be without words than your words without heart. By that he was simply telling us that for prayer to be effective, 
It's not just a mumbling of words. Not even fine-sounding, crafted words. But what's in the heart. Jesus told some stories uh, to people of his day, and they're for us as well. And one of them had to do with prayer. He talked about two men going to the temple to pray. Now, one was a real churchgoer. I mean, he knew how to pray. He was probably an upstanding citizen in the city, viewed as one of the spiritual leaders, in fact. And the other guy, well, people looked down on him because he was a crook. He was a tax collector for the Romans, and they were known for ripping people off and taking more money than they deserved. Now, who do you think had their prayers answered? Mr. Church or Mr. Ripoff? Let's listen to Jesus' story. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. With this story, Jesus is teaching us to pray boldly for cleansing. There might be a lot of things on our prayer list, but he urges us to pray boldly for this. As the words of that Christian author John Bunyan pointed out, for prayer to be effective, there's got to be heart there. In other words, what he's telling us is, it's a matter of what's in the heart, the attitude with which you pray. That's what Jesus was pointing out to us as he compared these two prayers in the temple that day. Now, to make this applicable and a story for us, as we go through this and look at these two men praying, let's ask ourselves, when we pray, are you doing what they're doing? For example, are you proud Certainly when you hear the words of that Pharisee, you recognize that's what's coming out. His pride. You see, it already started with where he was standing in the temple. Jesus gives the impression that he like went right up to the front of church. He was going to say that I'm close to God. And it gives us the impression that he believes that because of who he is and what he does. Now, it is true that we are close to God. 
In fact, God invites us to come close to him, to come right up to his throne of grace in prayer. But not based on who we are or what we've done. No, he isn't telling us, work your way up there. Show me your credentials, and then you can be close to me. You know, it never stops amazing me when I hear of surveys that are done in our country or wherever, when they're asking people about their spiritual beliefs and if they think they will live in eternity and why. Nothing has changed from surveys 40 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 or 5 years ago, or even today. People mostly respond, I'm going to be there because I'm a good person. Because of the good things that I do. I'm not like, no matter how much we teach it, no matter how clearly the scriptures present it, people always want to default to that idea, well, it's me. And sometimes, sometimes that idea even creeps into our prayers where we kind of show off to God. Isn't that what this guy was doing? I thank you that I am not an evildoer or a murderer or adulterer like those other people. He was simply talking about himself. Jesus oftentimes had conflicts with the Pharisees, this group of teachers in Judah, because they were always putting that emphasis on what they do. In fact, one time he even commented about how they pray. He said, they'll be out there on the street corners, as if they're on a stage, and lifting up their hands and praying real loud to call attention to themselves. It's all about a show. In fact, the words Jesus used in this story say he was standing by himself and praying. The original Greek could be translated he was praying with himself, as if he's talking to himself or just talking about himself. And that's what it was, kind of a show. How different it is when Jesus talks about the other guy in the temple, the tax collector, that scoundrel the guy looked down upon in the community. This Pharisee came to make his appearance. The tax collector came to make a request. And his request was made like this. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. His attitude wasn't one of pride, but it was an expression of being poor in spirit. Now, if anybody wouldn't have been poor in that community, it was probably the tax collectors, because they were known for ripping people off, for charging more than they were supposed to. They had a pretty good financial plan. <laughs> But this man expresses his poverty. First of all, he's standing off at a distance. He doesn't come right up to the front. Because he knew there was something that separated him from God, his sin. He expresses that he is a sinner. He's looking down. He's humble. He knows he doesn't deserve to be there or to be talking to God. Now why is that? because he was listening to the beat of his heart. Now I say that for this reason. The word chest that was used in the Greek language was the word stethos. 
which reminds us of a stethoscope, you know, that cold thing the doctor puts on your chest when he wants to listen to your heart. He was more than just beating his heart. He was trying to figure out what his heartbeat was, and it wasn't good. Perhaps this was Jesus' way of illustrating for us what he had taught once before, that out of the heart, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. That's quite a list. It's a pretty bad heart condition. And this man knew that he had it. He knew he was separated from God. He was not in a right standing with God, not even to address him. What's the beat of your heart like when you pray? Is there some pride there? Do you say or, or even just maybe think words like the Pharisee did? Lord, I'm not doing this or that anymore. Lord, I've made a change. Or Lord, look what I do for you. Look what I have done. Look how good of a Christian I am. And so, here's my prayer list. You're going to answer it, right? You see, maybe sometimes we come before God and think that there's something we have done or how we are that we deserve then to be heard. In fact, maybe all those things are true. Maybe we are pretty good. But maybe we do those things for the wrong reason. Like the Pharisee, maybe to draw attention to ourselves. Oh, God does say that he wants us to do good works so that others will see him and praise their Father in heaven. But we're also urged to live in such a way that we're giving people a reason to ask us for the hope that we have. Not, why is it you're so good? Why is it your life is all together? Why is it your kids behave so well? No, what's the hope we have? Because when we pray measured by me, we're just showing pride. Instead, we need to pray poor in spirit, which means we're measuring ourselves with God's law. Sometimes we're, we're told to um, be self-assertive and be more certain of yourself when you do things. And we kind of apply that then to prayer. What does God ask of us? What does he want to see when we come to him for cleansing? Before we heard the words of King David's bold prayer for cleansing, he would go on in that psalm to say that it, it was not sacrifices and offerings that pleased God, but a broken and contrite heart. Now, how do you know if your heart's broken? Listen to its beat and measure it by the standard of God's law. Just look at the first couple commandments. The first commandment, you shall have no other God. Do you love, more, do you love God more than anything else in this world all the time? Do you trust in him in every circumstance and have no fears or doubts? What about your mouth? Do you use it to praise God, thank him, and to pray? To speak well of others and build them up? Or do you use it to trash talk, to gossip, to curse, to lie? When it comes to God's word, are you eager to hear it? 
and to worship him? Or is it, well, if it works into my schedule, you know, we're so busy, we have so many things going on. How does your heartbeat compare with the standard of God's law? What that's pointing out is simply this. We need to recognize we have a need for cleansing, for being made right. So let's take a look at our prayers and how we seek cleansing. Let's refer to that as heart talk. And as we go through this, let's ask ourselves, am I that way or praying that way? Am I praying like that Pharisee? Am I simply bragging by comparing myself to others? Lord, I thank you that I am not an evildoer. And he lists all those things. And you know, the truth of it is, he probably wasn't those things. He probably lived a pretty good life. He probably was maybe near perfectly moral. The problem is, pretty good and near perfect is not perfect. As God said, you must be perfect as I, the Lord your God, am perfect. And maybe we fall into that too where we try to use the good we do to cover up our faults. And maybe we say, you know what, Lord? I'm not a drug addict, and I'm not a wife beater, and I'm not ripping people off at work, and I'm not immoral, and I'm not a rapist, and I'm not a murderer. And we use that to try to cover over the things that we do wrong. Now, there's two problems with that. First of all, it's not admitting that we can be those things. We're not saying like the Apostle Paul says, there, but by the grace of God, go I. Nor are we admitting to what the Scriptures say when it says, if you just break one law, you're guilty of breaking it all. Now maybe we haven't done those things indeed. Maybe we haven't even said those things. But maybe in thought, maybe in desires, we are guilty. You see, the thing is, we're good at sinning. And we take pleasure in our sin. We'd rather have the pleasure for ourselves than give glory to God. Like that Pharisee, we like to credit ourselves. Look at the good things I'm doing, God. I'm fasting twice a week when you only said we had to do it once. And I'm giving you 10% of everything. Isn't that good? He was, you know, breaking his arm, patting himself on the back. Bragging has no place in prayer. What we should have is begging. The tax collector displayed that with his words. He was simply confessing his sinfulness. His prayer isn't long. It isn't all drawn out and involved with a lot of detail. Maybe the sorrow was swallowing up the words. He was simply saying, be merciful to me, a sinner. In fact, in the original Greek, it doesn't say a sinner, it says the sinner. He he saw his sins so clear and so evident in, in his life. And he wasn't saying, you know, I'm a reformed sinner now, I've turned it around, and I'm pledging to be better even yet. No, he just says, I am the sinner. My friends, that is praying boldly. To ask God for his grace and forgiveness when you don't deserve it at all. 
That's bold praying. And that's what God wants us to do. As we do that, we're bold because we're holding on to God himself. That Pharisee was holding himself up, but the tax collector is just holding on to God. That was his refuge. That was his salvation. God, his Savior. Look at his words. Have mercy on me. Now, in the original Greek language of the Bible, there are two words that can be translated, have mercy. The first one just means, you know, have pity on me, help me out in my need. That's not the word this tax collector was using. He used another word that was, be propitious. Now I know you're going to have to all Google that word. What does that mean? It means, cover me. Cover me. It was a word that was used in connection with all those animal sacrifices the people did. To take that blood and to cover. Now I wasn't referring to the animal sacrifices as we heard before. They meant nothing other than they were pointing ahead to the sacrifice that would cover and remove sins. The blood of Jesus. This man is holding on to God as his Savior. He believes that God's sacrifice will cover his sins. Me. Me. He wasn't asking or signing up for the group plan. Now, uh, since I belong to that synagogue, since I'm a member of the Jewish nation, can't I squeeze in too? No. He himself needed the blood applied to him. It's simply reminding us of how important it is to know there is only one way for us to be clean and to have eternal life. Jesus. Now I'm sure, like me, you have seen people on our streets begging for assistance. And when I see those people, you know, I often wonder, do they really need it? And I don't know if I should support them or not, but I'll always pray for them and say, Lord, bless them with what they need. And I look at myself and I think, I'm glad I'm not in that position. That I'm blessed with what I need. Especially the most important thing that I need daily. Cleansing from my sin. God invites us to simply come to him and to receive it. And we will receive it. We're not going to get it by examining ourselves and bragging about how good we are as if we qualify for something. But when we simply beg, we have nothing worthy but the blood of Jesus. That blood is given to us through the cleansing that God brings us in his word from the blood of Jesus. It's the only way for us to be cleansed. Now let's listen to what happened to those two men after their prayers. I tell you this, rather, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Here was the real condition now of their heart. For that one who is praying with a lot of confidence in himself, he would be humbled, he would be condemned. He thought he was full. He thought he had all sorts of credentials to present before God, but the truth was he was empty. 
You know, we can do all sorts of things to try to cover over our faults, but we can't because God sees every one of our sins. We can't cover over them in any way. And ignoring our sins doesn't make us well. We simply need to take them and in faith put them on Jesus and be cleansed. And those who are covered by the blood of Jesus are cleansed. Now how does that happen to us? How does that blood become on me? Through God's declaration of his word and through baptism. We have the baptism font set up here this morning. There's no new baptism, but there's a renewal of baptism today, our baptism. For God assures us that through baptism, our sins are taken away. We're cleansed. Listen to these words of God as he assures us of that. From John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 1. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Did you get it? Purified, cleansed, covered by the blood of Jesus. How does that become mine? The Apostle Paul tells us one way is through baptism. He says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The death and the resurrection of Jesus, the power and the effectiveness of that is given to us personally when we were baptized. Peter makes it real clear when he says, Baptism now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, not all churches believe the same about baptism. We teach and believe what these words say. Baptism saves you because it connects you to the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's why your sins are washed away. As Paul so beautifully pictures it, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jesus said that man went home justified. That means declared innocent, cleansed of your sins. Now the form of that word, my Latin students here will like it, is a perfect passive participle. That means perfect, it was done, and it continues. Passive meaning, I didn't do it, God did it to me. And as a participle, it's describing what I am. Justified, cleansed by God. And that, he says, is how I am exalted. Cleansed, forgiven, redeemed, restored.
Peter tells us, This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. God has called us to be cleansed, and we are cleansed in the blood of Jesus. So what is on your prayer list? I'm sure like my list, a lot of needs for me and for others. On the very top should be that request for cleansing. Pray boldly. God does cleanse us in Jesus. Amen.